Pretend to listen to me, and that's all that I ask for. Uh, we are in uh, week four, the finale of this series, which is called Turning Points. And in this series, we have been talking about different turning points, about characters from the Bible who had the turning points. We talked the first week about the blind beggar who um, was otherwise like not noticeable. He was just a, a blind guy begging, and he was just there. He had nothing else, no one else. And yet he saw Jesus, and he saw a chance. He saw a turning point. He called out. And as he called out, he was hit with another turning point, another chance, because everyone around him was like, dude, shut up. Like, Jesus doesn't have time for you. Uh, Jesus doesn't need to hear your, your mess. He doesn't need to talk to you. He's got other things going on. Just you don't matter. And a lot of us would stop then. A lot of us would say, man, I know Jesus loves me, but I'm just, I'm so embarrassed, or I'm so shy, or I, I don't want these people to, to hate me, or whatever else that we all think at different times. And yet he still called out for Jesus, and Jesus heard him, because Jesus always hears us. And so Jesus healed him, and that was a major turning point. We talked about Moses and how he had previously had one where he murdered someone in anger, which is bad. Don't do that, especially if you listen to me this morning. I said again, don't be angry and murder people. Uh, we talked about Ben, who may or may not have done that. But uh, he didn't. I'm just joking. But uh, Moses ran away. Moses ran away because he was scared, because people talked about him. And, you know, he started a new life. And then he saw the burning bush. And so many people would see that, see that symbol of God, hear God's voice, and run away more. And be like, oh, he's after me. I can't talk. I can't face what I've done. I can't face him. I can't be called out. I can't uh, admit that I was wrong. I can't apologize. And yet Moses stopped for all of his ills before that and for his issues that he struggled with with anger. Uh, he still talked to God and he said, God, what do you have for me? And, you know, he had different turning points throughout his life with God and God would tell him to do something. And he kind of argued back, not out of doubt in God, but out of doubt in himself. But God was with him. And so he, he was a major figure, not just in, in the Bible, but in history, because he freed, uh, helped free the Jews from slavery with God working through him. Uh, and then last week we talked about David and how he had been a man after God's own heart, and that's what he was referred by. Uh, that's who he was. That's who he, what his identity was. He worked every day to try to be a man after God's own heart, and then he saw Bathsheba taking a bath, as Tim Oldfield pointed out, like it's kind of connected. But he saw her, and that in itself was like whatever, because as I said this morning, as I said last week, uh, you can't control that first thought, that first impulse, that first temptation, but you can control what you do with it. And so David saw, and uh, he sent someone to go ask. And so far, he's not done anything wrong. But when the person came back and said, she's married, he hit this turning point. And this is a man after God's own heart. This is the man who killed Goliath. This is the man who was chased by a corrupt king and almost killed by a corrupt king. A man who gave everything to God. And yet, when he wanted something and thought he was too big for his britches and his ego got too big and he bought his hype, uh, he said, you know what, I don't care. And so he brought her in and he slept with her and she got pregnant and he murdered her husband, basically. Like, he, he literally sent Uriah to the front lines with a note saying, kill this guy, basically. And then he lied about it. He covered it up. And he hit another turning point where Nathan talks to him and says, hey, here's this story of this guy who did this thing that sounds a lot like what you did. And David's like, that guy sucks. Like, that's horrible. And he's like, yeah, it's you. And David's like, oh, no. David was the king for all of everything else. David was the king. So even then, he could have stopped and said, whatever. Like, I, I do what I want. Like, God's going to have to answer to me or something. And yet he said, oh, I'm so sorry. And he dealt with consequences, but he turned back around. And that's because... 
we all face turning points often in our lives, and sometimes, and again, don't be like, hey, you know, sometimes I'm going to mess up, so I'm going to go mess up now. No, but sometimes you're going to mess up. Sometimes you're going to get things confused. Sometimes you're, you're uh, not going to know the right thing to do, or you're going to know and you're going to go against it, but you're going to regret it. But that is never the end for you. And just like with David, that's never the end. No matter what you do, you can always turn back around. And so David, even after everything that he'd done and how far he'd run away from God, he ran back. And so tonight I want to talk about, for the, the last week, I want to talk about somebody who, again, had several turning points and uh, was basically one of the most important uh, Christian figures in history other than Jesus, and that's Paul. And so Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats uh, with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for the cooperation and the arrest of any followers of the way he found there, the way being what they called Christianity. Uh, he wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem and change. So this is the start. So usually if we're talking about somebody who served God, somebody who followed Jesus, somebody who started churches, somebody who was a missionary, somebody who wrote half of the New Testament... It's not going to start with, yeah, he was out trying to kill Christians, and he wanted to make sure that every man and woman who followed Jesus was in chains. That's not the best way to start for this. And yet, that's what Paul did, Saul then. That's what he did. He had anger issues, and he had doubts, and he had control issues, and whatever else, but he had chosen not only to follow the way that he believed, which was God, and there's nothing wrong with that, but to take down anybody else that disagreed with him, anybody else that was against it, anybody else that followed Jesus, anybody else that was different. And so he did that. He was part of the murder of Stephen. He was part of different murders and people being arrested. And so this is where we start. Uh, before we get to his turning point, this is who he is. This is the baggage that he carries. This is everything that he did. He was full out in this direction. It's not like he was like, man, I feel really bad and I'm only doing my job. He was leading the charge on this. And so we go to the next part. Uh, as he was approaching Damascus on the mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Uh, Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless for they heard the sound of someone's voice but saw no one. Saul picked himself up self up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. So basically, God literally blinded him to get his attention. He literally stopped him in his tracks on the road to do things against Jesus. And Jesus called out and said, hey, this is not what you're supposed to be doing. Um, in our lives, we're going to be called out like that at different times. We're going to be told uh, from God, like, hey, you got to get a control of your life. You got to get a hold of things. You got to change. You're on the right path sometimes. Whatever it is, it's probably not going to be as direct and literal as what happened to Saul here, but it's going to be in a way that is personal to us. Um, it's going to be in a way that, that, that calls out to us. Uh, several weeks ago around Christmas time, which was back in December, in case you forgot, um, I preached in big church about the. Uh, Three, about the wise men, the magi. And one of the things that stood out to me this time, and this is something that's cool, uh, no matter how often you read the scriptures, no matter how often you read the same stories, you can always 
feel something different from God. He will call out to you and things that you need to hear and things that you need to read and things that you need to learn. And that time it really stood out to me that not only did he call the Magi and give them away, they were astronomers. He put a star in the sky so they could see it. He gave them a chance to see the way. He gave them uh, the way that they could know. He, he met them where they were. And so with Saul, he blinds him because he knows that Saul is going purely by sight. He's not thinking beyond that. And so Saul, again, has a turning point here. Uh, he, he, it's almost like Saul has this chance to kick a go-ahead field goal in a playoff game. It's almost like he has a chance to, to do something more that hasn't been done in 31 years or so. He has a chance to really stand up. And so he faces this turning point. And a lot of people would say, well, this is, I know that I heard a voice, but it's something else. I imagined it. And I know that I can't see now, but I'm sure I'm fine. Uh, I know that for me personally, if something medically happens, I'm just kind of like, ah, whatever, it'll be fine later because I haven't been to a doctor in any of your lifetimes. But for Saul, he could have done that. But he faced this turning point, and so he needed help to get there because it's okay to ask for help. But he's like, hey, this voice called me. I'm going to follow it. And so that's the first step. He starts going. But as he's recovering, he doesn't eat or drink. He's praying during that time. Uh, and as he's recovering, again, he's going to face more because just accepting that first call, just listening, that's just the first step. Because anybody can listen. Anybody can hear if we try. But it's always harder to take action. It's always harder to take that next step. And so we're going to the next part. Uh, now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, uh, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. So Ananias is a character that we don't talk about very much, but he was a major force in uh, the way, in the Christianity, in starting it, in, in helping people, in uh, bringing people into safety from people like Saul who were out to kill them. And Jesus goes to him. And he's like, hey, you know that guy, Saul? And, and I was like, yeah, I know Saul. He literally just killed one of my friends, and he's after us right now. He's like, yeah, I need you to go and help him. Now imagine that. Imagine. Not only is it somebody that you don't like, but somebody who is actively trying to ruin your life. Like every time you park somewhere, they go and they slash your tires, and you know it's them. You know that it's them. Uh, every time you get a job, like they go in and they complain to the boss about you. Every time... Uh, anything happens, you get in a new relationship, like they talk trash about you. Every time anything happens, they're right there, just on your case. Now imagine that, and then magnify it, and then imagine that God comes to you and says, hey, yeah, you know that person over there? You're basically going to be their best friend now. And we're all going to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you sure, God? Like, I, I must have misheard you. You must mean a different Saul, or you must have the wrong person. Uh, maybe the, the lines got crossed a little bit because there were too many calls on the line or something. But it's like, there's no way. And so Ananias is facing a turning point of his own because he is walking the walk. Like, he's literally following Jesus, but now he's being called to do something difficult. One of the things that you'll find, and the adults can speak to it, uh, as you get older, and you guys face it now, but as you get older, um, it's you find that it's, really easy to say, yes, I'm a Christian. 
But sometimes it's hard to live that way. And not just because of things we face, but because of the way people treat us, because of the way people talk about us, because of the things that happen in the world. It can be very hard to continue walking that walk. And sometimes there are people who, who do everything they can and they go to every service or they help people sometimes, but then they're called upon to do something that they don't want to do. And that's when it's like, ah, you know what? It was okay when it was just going to church. It was okay when it was just doing this. Or it was okay when, when this was happening or that was happening. But now I have to do something I don't want to do. Now I have to talk to somebody I don't like. Now I have to, to stand up. Now I have to, to not do this thing that I really want to do. Now whatever. And that's what's happening to Ananias. And it's okay to question. One of the things I think that we uh, get wrong a little bit is we hold, and it's less so now, but when we have doubts or when we have questions, we feel like that's a failure. We feel like anytime we're like, God, are you sure that it's like, that's a failure. That is not a failure. Having doubts is not a failure. Having questions is not a failure. However, to have them and then just walk away from them, that is. But to have them and be like, okay, God, I have questions about this. Like, are you sure this is what you want from me? How do I do this? Why do I, I do this? Why? And to actually talk to him to actually talk to other Christians about it, to actually seek the answers. That's what we're supposed to do. That's how we build a stronger relationship. That's how we truly find what we're supposed to do and where we're supposed to be. And so Ananias questioned him and said, Saul, this guy kills people. Are you sure? He's not saying, God, I don't believe in you. He's not saying, God, how could you call me on this? He's saying, God, please clarify this to me. Because this is hard. And it's okay to think something is hard because life is hard. Whenever you feel called to something, whether it's ministry or, or family or school or work or whatever it is you're called to, it's hard. There's going to be a part where it gets hard. Um, one of my favorite shows back in the day was Friends, and it's a sitcom. It's better than The Office. Sorry. It's, it's just great. And uh, although I don't know that I'd recommend it right now. But I remember, I remember Chandler. He was one of the funny characters. I kind of related to him because I pretend I'm funny. And um, I'm also awkward, and he had that. And so uh, I remember he was dating Monica, who Courtney Cox, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to get too into the weeds on the show. Anyway, he was dating her. And he'd always had not good relationships in that um, he would date somebody and then they'd break up because he'd do something stupid or say something stupid or be stupid in some way. And so he's dating her. And they were best friends before. And so they get into this fight. They get in this argument. Um, if you are married, you know that occasionally there might be arguments. If you have a family member or a friend, you know that occasionally there might be arguments. And so they get into this argument, and this stood out to me because it just, it, it, it really rung uh, true with me with how kind of some people can be. And he got into this argument with her, and he's so depressed and so sad. And she's like, you know, hey, uh, I, I know that we had this argument, but we're going to be okay. And he's like, yeah, but I really loved being with you, and now we have to break up. And she's like, what are you talking about? Do you break up every time you get in an argument? She's like, oh, wait, now I understand your life. But it's like he thought any time there was any kind of disagreement or any kind of question, that was it. And she's like, no, you work through that. You talk through that. And so questioning God is not saying, hey, I'm done. It's saying, God, I have questions for you. I trust you completely. I have faith in you completely, and I know that you're perfect. I just want more clarification. And, and that's fine, because you're talking to him. And that's where this is, and that's what Ananias is doing. He's literally talking and saying, hey, God, this is a hard thing to do. How do I do this? In your lives, you're going to be called to do things difficult, and you're going to have sometimes to ask, for people, ask people for help, whether it's me or one of the adults or a pastor or something, someone in your life that's a Christian and is living the way that you do or, or doing their best to do that. Talk to them and be like, hey, 
this is what I feel called to do. What do you think of this? And I'm not saying to follow what they say, but just kind of listen for God's word through them. That's one of the reasons that I say, uh, whenever we talk about friendships and relationships, that it's so vital that you have the closest people to you that follow Christ, that live for Christ. People that are willing to say, hey, I don't agree with that, or hey, you're not doing the right thing. And one of the things that always grinds my gears is when I see people today talk about uh, toxicity and like, oh, that person's toxic, cut them out. That's fine if somebody is literally toxic, but sometimes people take that as, well, they disagreed with me once. And they were nice about it, but they disagreed with me once. Or they said it wasn't smart for me to jump off the top of the church with a, a blanket as a parachute. And that's just toxic. That's not toxic, that's smart. Like to have people in your life that are willing to say, yeah, you shouldn't sneak out. Uh, and, and people that say, hey, yeah, uh, I, I understand that that's what you're thinking, but are you sure? Have you thought this all the way through? That's being a good friend. And we should be that for other people, but to have people in your life so that you can say, I feel God calling me to this. What do you think? And then to pray about it and talk about it. Talk to your parents. I promise you that your parents will love to listen to you. And so do things like that. Going to the next part of this scripture as we get back to Saul. But the Lord said, go for Saul is my chosen instrument to take the message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. So before I go on, Ananias is first told, hey, that guy that's killing all your friends, I need you to go help him and make sure he's okay as he gets started. But then... And I think this may even be harder. Uh, he's basically told, you've done so much for me, Ananias, and you're a wonderful follower. He's also going to be basically the leader of the movement. And so Ananias is basically like the backup quarterback who's worked really hard. And he's done everything he can, and he's at every practice. And then the starting quarterback comes in, and he doesn't go to practice, but he's really talented. That's what Ananias is feeling like. And the coach is like, yeah, sorry, he was our first draft pick. Like, he's got to play. And, and Ananias could have been like, well, that's not fair. I've been doing all this work. Like, I've been doing everything. How come I don't get to do this? How come I don't get more? How come I can't talk more? How come I can't lead? And yet he doesn't. And this is a minor turning point in terms of the story because we don't really focus on it. But it's a major one in terms of how we live. Because sometimes you're going to be the Paul. Sometimes you're going to be the leader of a situation. Sometimes you're going to be uh, the main figure in the room. Sometimes you're going to be the person standing behind a podium, moving your hands all around and talking. Sometimes, though, you're just going to be the friend of the person who does that. Or you're going to be the advisor of the person that does that. Or you're just going to be in the audience and showing with your example. And we're kind of conditioned to think, well, the person talking and doing all the leading, that's the most important. No, no, no. Because when we live for Christ... Every voice matters, and every life is an example for him. And people will take his message from different things. So there are people that will respond to me in the way that I live my life. Absolutely. But there are people that will respond to you, and to you, and to you, and the way you live your lives. And there are people that, that just will see something in you that they may not see in me, or see something in someone else that they may not see in you. The point is not to be the superstar. The point is to serve the one who is, to serve Jesus and to show him every day. And so that's what Ananias does here. And it's such a major thing where he doesn't say, he questions rightfully like, hey, this guy's a murderer. Are you sure? But he's like, when God says, hey, you know, he's going to do this. He's not like, what about me? He's like, yes, God. Yes, Lord. Yes. Um, there is nothing wrong with being second place. Now, that's hard for me to say because I am very competitive and I love to win. Um, none of my sports teams do, apparently, but I do. And 
uh, it, it, it can be hard for me, but I'm talking about in terms of life. There's nothing wrong with being an associate or being second in command or being whatever because we're all serving Jesus. And even the person that we think of as the top, like Paul, for example, God's still above him. And so that's the whole point. And so we go to this last paragraph. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me to you so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. So Saul, he became Paul a little bit later. I'm going to call him Paul just because it's easier. He was a murderer, simply put. He was angry and he was a hard man and he was just cruel. And then Jesus blinded him. And when Jesus said, hey, you can see again and I want you to go do this. Saul immediately went and did it. Immediately, like he went out. And I think sometimes we read this or we hear this and we're like, yeah, he was awesome. Like Paul was awesome. He's so cool. And he did so much and he's a hero. And I bet people really liked him. I guarantee you that throughout his entire life, there were people in the crowd, Christian people in the crowd who were like, that guy murdered my friend. Yeah, I know that he's been a pastor for like 10 years now, or I know that he's been starting churches for this long, or I know he's done this and that, but I remember when he did this. Because there are always going to be people in your life, in all of our lives, that are going to remind us of where we failed, that are going to remind us of where we've fallen, are going to remind us of how we're not perfect. And yet, that's not what stops us. That doesn't separate us from God because God will not remind us of that. He will remind us how we are victorious. He will remind us how we can move forward. He will remind us how he can lift us up. And so Paul faced that every day. It wasn't just, I was going to say guns and roses, that's the wrong phrase. It, it, it wasn't just uh, fun stuff, cookies and crack. I can't think of anything good. It wasn't just uh, happiness and rainbows. There you go. It wasn't just touchdowns and field goals. Like it wasn't just victories. It wasn't just everything. He faced a lot of hatred and he knew that he brought it on himself. And yet he kept going. He kept every day answering that turning point, answering that question. And so the reason that this, this week is called today, and I said this a little bit this morning, but I'm going to say it now. There's always the temptation to say, well, everybody, every single person alive, no matter what you think of them, no matter what we think of ourselves, is at some point going to say, I could do better. Whatever it is in, they're going to say, I could do better. Most people will say, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll start on it tomorrow. I'm going to pray to do better, or I'm going to try to do better. I'm going to try to work on this thing that I struggle with. I'm going to try to help people. I'm going to try to do this, but I'll do it later. And I've used this example before, but it's like, okay. I'm really going to buckle down and be a strong Christian when I'm out of high school because it's just there's too much going on. And then it's like, well, you know what? I'm in college. I, I got to live my life. I'm going to wait until I'm married. And then you get married and it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to wait till I have kids because, you know, we're living our lives. and We got to do this and I've got to work and I've got to save money. And then you have kids and it's like, ah, wait till they're a little bit older and out of the house. And it keeps going and going and going because anytime you say tomorrow, tomorrow never comes. And yet today. You do not have to be perfect. You are not going to be perfect. But God is, and he is with you. And so when you realize your call, when you realize you need to work on something, when you realize you can help someone, when you realize you can stand up, when you realize you're called, when you realize there's a turning point, do it right now, today. And people in your life will help you. You are never alone. And that's the most amazing thing and the most powerful thing in this series is you are never alone. 
I've said this a lot, but God doesn't call you to something and then walk away. He calls you to something and then prepares you and lifts you up and helps you. Uh, He guides you and he puts people in your life that need to be there. And he works through you. And Paul, every day, faced a lot of the demons that he'd built himself. Like a lot of the, the anger that people had in him. And yet, he still went to God. He wasn't perfect. Ananias, same thing. David, same thing. Moses, same thing. Moses, throughout his life, was reminded of his anger and being a murderer. And yet... God worked through them, and he can work through all of us. And that is the whole point of this series. Today, we have a chance to be better. Today, we have a chance to work on something. Today, we have a chance to build something. Today, we have a chance to be victorious, not just in a playoff game, but in life. Today, we have a chance to to really follow him. And the last line is just, Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus. That took courage. To know that you've hurt somebody and to apologize to them and still to go forward and be around them instead of run away or hide or or feel ashamed. Like to live for Jesus today is what matters. And so, again, I come back to this. You are not going to be perfect. You are not going to get everything right. But when you do mess up, when you do hurt someone, when you do get hurt, go straight to him. Don't wait to work on it. Go straight to Him now and move forward today because that's what we can do. That's where our turning points are. And like I said, you're going to have a lot of them. But each day you have one, He is with you to help you. And then we are here to help each other. That's all I got.